Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. I got no problem with women. Sometimes I like them too well. But we can't let them in baseball. Jackie Mitchell, you've never heard of me. I had a contract and it lasted a day. But it embarrassed them to strike out to a girl. The babe had lots to say. So they You're listening to an excerpt from the song Out from the musical Glass Ceilings. It was co-written by Laura Watkins, who is our guest today. We'll be discussing that musical and more. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of Life in the Pit. And once again, I am your host, David Lane, and it is good to be with you once again. I hope all of you are doing well. For me, this is the second weekend of Always the Patsy Cline Story. And um, as you might recall, on last week's episode, episode 13, that came out on a Friday the opening night was slated for the previous Thursday. Well, that got rained out. Again, once again, this is an outdoor show. It's with masks, limited audience, socially distanced. Uh, contingent on the weather. Thursday night, opening night, it got rained out. Friday night, the day I released episode 13, it got rained out. Saturday night, it got rained out. We finally had our opening performance on what was supposed to be the fourth day, Sunday night. And we started our second week. We had we were dark on Monday and Tuesday. We came back on Wednesday. So far, so good. We are two of five on our attempts to do this show as I'm recording this introduction. I'm actually recording this on uh, Thursday, the day before its release. And I can look out my window and I see rain right now. This is just uh, this is just one of the things that we're going to all have to deal with in order to get any live theater at all. Uh, I'm pleased to say that the shows we have done are going well. Hopefully, we'll be able to do the rest of them. Uh, that's at Winston Salem Theater Alliance. If you happen to be in the area, and uh, all the show all of the shows are eight o'clock. I know this Saturday for sure has a four o'clock show, and we may try to reschedule some for a third week just to get in a few more shows. Now, on to today's episode. My guest, once again, is Laura Watkins. She lives in the Los Angeles area, and there's one particular way that she is different from all of the other guests that I've brought on the show, and that is that she doesn't have traditional pit musician experience. She has played in a pit. She has led other musicians. She's followed the action of a show. She's done all of that. But she hasn't done it for other people's shows. She's done it only for her own. She is a composer of musicals, and she has helped put those together, acted as music director, played keyboard, played bass, and she'll talk about that and more. So she certainly has an appreciation of the process, but it's one that she's made herself. She has composed and already staged two musicals. We'll talk about those. She has some other projects. 
Most notably, though, is the musical Glass Ceilings, which is where that excerpt came from at the very beginning of this podcast. It was just finishing its first weekend when the COVID shutdown occurred, and we're going to talk to her about that and more. This is my interview with Laura Watkins. Laura, how are things on the West Coast? Things on the West Coast are probably pretty similar to things on the East Coast right now. But maybe a with, lot of hanging out. Maybe with not as hot of weather. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> how how hot is it where you are? Uh, it's in the nineties. Um, it's like a sometimes where I live. It's, wow, uh, I live in Woodland Hills, California, and the, that's the San Fernando Valley, and it gets pretty toasty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys get all you get all the heat. <laughs> and, yeah. Okay. Oh, great. It's been a long time since we have talked. I mean, we've chatted on Facebook before. It's probably been about 23 years since I've talked to you in person. So um, you are one of you might be the only person I ever interview for this who has known my wife longer than me. And I've known her for uh, at least 25 years now. So so that's pretty good. I've known your wife a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, back to, I guess, high school days. And and I just want to start there. This is just something she, she told me a while back. When you, um, I guess it was Comic-Con the Musical. Was that what you were doing before your current project? Comic-Con the Musical was the, yeah, that was kind of my first full-length musical. And I, I started that in uh, probably 2015 or 16. Right. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, she said, it doesn't surprise her at all because you used to make up little musicals and things like on the bus or, you know, just uh, in class, uh, you know, when, in high school. So I did. I was I was thinking about that, in fact, because you you um, had had mentioned that in an email. And I was thinking back to some of those lyrics and how truly awful they were. So <laughs> I won't be sharing them, but they were funny to a 17 year old. I guess. Oh, yes. I uh, yeah, I have some songs that I, I wrote when I was 17, and uh, yeah, they'll, they'll never be heard again. <laughs> best best left in the annals of the mind. Yeah, that's true. But it just shows that you were you were thinking theatrically back then, and we'll, we'll catch that up to where you are. Um, so I've, uh, I knew you as uh, someone who played piano and someone who uh, also you sang in choirs. I didn't know the extent of what you did vocally, and I didn't know anything about you as far as composing or, or making up songs at the time. So where did your music journey begin? What did you, how did, what got you started in the music? Uh, well, I mean, probably like most of us, it got started with piano lessons as a, as a little girl. And, um, I was very into piano performance. Like that was my main focus you know, starting from around middle school is when I, I knew I was going to kind of have a career in music. And so I majored in piano performance and the composing was kind of, I'd almost call it a hobby. It never really exactly occurred to me that I was going to kind of go in this direction at the time. Um, I did it for fun. I wrote funny songs. I wrote comedic songs. It was, um, just something I did. And then when I graduated from college, I was, my husband actually was, uh, like you mm-hmm. going in score and I kind of was helping him conduct the film scores. And then I wrote a film score with him and, and I had joined a 
a rock band because it, it, it sometime in my 20s I I don't know you know how you realize you've been a classical musician all your life and missed out on a lot of fun things right <laughs> so I, I kind of like in my early 20s was making up for it with the with all that fun stuff and and so I was I also got the idea to write a musical sometime in my really early 20s and so I started to work on the Scarlet Pimpernel and this was before Google right. and you may be like isn't there already a musical called The Scarlet Pimpernel? And there is, in fact. Um, I was in the middle of it, and then I went to New York, and I look up at a billboard in Times Square, and it's like, coming this fall, The Scarlet Pimpernel. And I was I was very uh, annoyed by that, and that kind of derailed me. And I, I just went in a different direction. But long story short, I started uh, writing children's musicals when I had my daughter, and that morphed into full-length musicals and that's what i'm doing now um don't i recall correctly you you actually designed an app at one point and it was like you you wrote the music and it was an inclusive app could you tell us about that sure that was um that was the snow queen which uh, came out before frozen (laughs) i have a a early history of, of doing things uh, thinking of things right before they end up getting done on a much larger level. Well, I know how that's like. I, I, I scored a short film musical called Gretel and Hansel. And oh, this year, yeah. a movie called Gretel and Hansel came out. And then um, before that, I scored a film, a short film called Smoke and Mirrors. And then on some streaming platform, there was a full feature film called Smoke and Mirrors. And so I, I almost think like there's, I don't know, there's people watching us. <laughs> Or there's just ideas floating around in the ether and they come to you, but they go to other people also. And it's just maybe a race to the, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah the, so the, um, the, the snow queen app was an idea that I had because my, I didn't want my daughter watching TV. I was against young children watching very much in the way of TV, but I, um, thought maybe an app that was like a musical, like, like a kind of the equivalent of a Disney musical, except as an app with just, you know, illustrations. And so I, I wrote the music for that. It was just five songs. And then, um, I wrote the, the book, as you know, in musical theater, the book is the, right the um the non-music and lyrics part and i hired an illustrator and then i learned how to program this app with this third-party software that was attached to photoshop and so i programmed it myself and then put it up on the app store where it um made hardly any money at all right (laughs) that's kind of the way those things go early on but yeah yeah it it was fun and and it kind of got me um what happened was I don't really enjoy orchestrating very much and my husband is really good at it. So he orchestrated it and I wrote the music and lyrics and everything. Right. And I kind of was like, I don't think my marriage can survive another musical where I'm making him do all this orchestration for me. And so I was like, I'm just going to write a full length musical piano accompaniment, see where it goes. I I won't need to harass him. And it's just going to be. So that's how I started working on Comic-Con. And I was kind of just that 
got me the the courage. And I just really wanted to write a musical about nerds, and I wanted a singing Klingon. I just had all these visions, and um, and that's kind of how it started. Now, where's the timeline of say Big Bang Theory and all this? It was I was my dad is a huge Big Bang Theory fan. I don't even think I knew about it, so I think it came out maybe before, maybe right after, but right along the same time. Because I know when I was writing Comic Con the musical, everyone's like, "You've got to, you got to get in touch with the people from Big Bang Theory," and I was like, "Oh, great! How exactly shall I do that?" <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so that show played for a while, right? You had you got at least some screenings in L.A. For, or not screenings? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You think, you yeah, know, readings, readings. <laughs> what happened with Comic-Con is I, I wrote it with um, my book writer, Nicholas David Brandt, and um, he and I finished it in October and I submitted it to the ASCAP DreamWorks Musical Theater Workshop with Stephen Schwartz. Just it was the first thing I did. It was kind of like I finished it and then I'm like, now I have to do something. So I started looking for musical theater festivals and competitions and I entered it in that. And we got accepted. So the first thing I ever did with the very first draft of anything got critiqued and ripped to shreds by Stephen Schwartz, which was quite an honor. Mm. Uh, And then so we had a great big workshop at the Wallace Annenberg Theater. And um, I don't think I realized what a big deal it was at the time. I really didn't. And um, then we went on to rewrites and we did another workshop in L.A., a full workshop. And then we put it on at, um, at a black box theater in the, um, in Los Angeles during the Hollywood fringe festival. So we did, we did well. It, we sold out that show. Uh, we had a series of four shows at the Hollywood fringe fest. And then I had started to work on glass ceilings at that point. And then Comic-Con also got accepted into this, um, theater accelerator with, um, apples and oranges entertainment. And so we did a whole, kind of workshop with them where we learned about the business and marketing. But then uh, I was really into glass ceilings by that point. So Comic-Con needs rewrites and those will probably happen at some point. But um, I had already kind of shifted gears to glass ceilings. Right. So. Uh, you know, until I started working on the Collins boy, I don't think uh, I fully understood just what goes into a musical. Uh, first of all, I learned in the midst of it that the average musical that makes it to Broadway spent eight years in development before it got yep. there. So um, yeah. that, that was an interesting fact. And, and I think I learned that when we were in the midst of year three <laughs> or just yeah. starting year three. And oh, yeah. a lot of what happens is you, especially your book writers. So I'm the arranger. I'm coming from that perspective, but the book writers, I think if you compare what we have now to the first show that they did first version of the show and we're talking 26 27 songs there are probably three or four that are still there (laughs) and pretty and and like 90 percent what it used to be but even those have had some line changes word changes um i've come in i've made my changes and almost every time that we we get a reading of it or or some kind of a staging of it that's what I was trying to think of, not, not screening, but staging. Uh, every time we get a staging of it, something happens. And like after one time, we it was complete rewrite. We went from a two-act show to a one-act show. Yeah. And then when we did that one-act show last time, it was in dress rehearsal. We said, you know, we need to make this a two-act show again yeah. because it's just too 
heavy, you know, of, of content. So, and we just, you just got to let that pressure out. So changes are always going on. You're always getting people to critique, you know, yep. what you're doing. And, and Stephen Schwartz, you know, I'm sure he, he's been critiqued a lot himself to get his shows out there. So I'm sure he had plenty to say <laughs> to well, anybody who comes to him. But- it was it was helpful. I mean, it was it was amazing feedback, and I've I've had a lot of feedback. One thing I I'm not afraid of is feedback and change. And like you said, four songs left of the original that I can certainly relate to. I can certainly relate to that. So right, as my partners have said, they thought it was so good at the time, but you know, you get some distance and perspective, and you you change your your mind. Uh, the other thing that I that I found out is that there's a whole lot of downtime, you know. So you you get this intense burst of uh, I don't know scrutiny and creativity, uh, but you know, last thing that we did with Collins Boy was 11 months ago, and uh, I mean it yeah. might not have been we might have been doing something by now if not for the pandemic, but it goes yeah. almost like half a year, a year, until some other you know good opportunity comes up for the next step of growth. Yeah, I mean the. The rewrites and life usually take, I mean, life, we're, we're most of us working jobs other than writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I don't hardly know anybody who isn't. So, you know, life comes along and, and slows you down. That's why I'm trying to work on multiple shows at a time now, because it's, um, like yeah. you said, the time. so if one, one person on your, on one team is having a thing, then you pause that and start something else. That's right. kind of my news, though. But. Right, exactly. So I, I'm I'm going to save. I'm going to take a break before we talk about glass ceilings, your your latest. But let's just talk about other theater in general. I I didn't really ask you in advance. Have you done theater outside of being a writer? Have you acted or played for shows before? I have acted in shows. I would be a, honestly a not very good musical director because um. I don't know if you remember from college that I have a just not a great sight reading ability. It was always my my Achilles heel. So everything I accompanied, I had to really learn, learn, learn. And it's the same way with my own shows. I, you know, I MD my own shows out of complete necessity. Right. And, you know, it, it's a lot of work for me. And and so I feel like I've never actually get seen one of my shows, actually, because I'm always, you know, in, in the pit. Right. And. Um, so before my theater experience was all acting and, and I acted in high school, I acted in college. I was briefly a double major in theater, but, um, after college I didn't, you know, I moved to LA and everyone was an actor and they were all much better at it and there wasn't that much theater and I totally shifted gears to just music. Right. So with your musicals, though, you've kind of created your own pit experience. So what uh, have you done anything besides piano for either of your shows? Last For Glass Ceilings, I doubled piano and bass. So I would actually I even had one song where I played piano and then the rock section started in, in the middle and I had my bass in my lap and I stood up and played the bass and then it went back to the piano part at the end and I set the bass on my lap. And finished with piano. <laughs> nice. And that was, that was um, cool. And then um, the guitarist also doubled as a bassist. So between the two of us, it was kind of like we had a four-piece band with only three people. Right. Which was purely financial. but Right. But you've, you've had the experience of live accompaniment and, and also, you know, kind of 
communicating with other musicians to stay on track, you know, with the show. Yeah. So a lot, a lot. Yeah. I mean, my own stuff, but yeah. Um, I've also had to make, uh, with Comic-Con, I did background tracks for the big numbers, you know, for the ones that needed a band. Right. And went that direction and then played piano on the, you know, the piano only tracks. Right. With glass, with glass ceilings, it was all a three piece band. And I've had a lot of showcases with glass, with glass ceilings where I also had a band. So I've, it's it's kind of a, a rock based show, so there's always a band. Okay, well, great. Yeah, and I know a lot of shows. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot. Uh, there are some shows that that mix live and pre recorded. So, um, yeah. first, the first show I did like that was Spring Awakening. It's got a couple yeah. of tracks that go along at the same time. So, yeah, totally. What are your some some of your favorite shows in theater? I was going through that and feeling like a really old person the other day when I was discussing this with my daughter. She was like, what are your favorite shows, your, your top five favorite shows? And, and um, anyway, so I was like, oh, Assassins mm-hmm. and um, a plethora of other 90s shows. And, you know, of course, I, I like a lot of, I mean, I, I really enjoy the modern ones, too. So, I mean, right. Well, Assassins isn't too old. You're not like picking, you know, it's not picking out, um, you know, the music man <laughs> or anything like that. I, I think, I think my favorite shows, I, I mean, I, Assassins and Into the Woods always have kind of a, a number one spot in my musical theater heart, you know, for, I like, I like Evan Hansen. I like Next to Normal. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of Spring Awakening. I like Hamilton. I like, I mean, I, I like them all. But the ones that probably still make me sit around and quietly sob are. Yeah. The, uh, so, so a couple, couple Sondheim choices. That's, that's not bad at all. <laughs> oh, I love Sondheim. Well, let's go He's, back to Glass Ceilings. Tell us about Glass Ceilings. What is, what is the show about? And how did you, how did you get started with it? The show is about um, women throughout history who's, names you probably don't know but should know and they all end up in the afterlife in a place called Hurgatory and they don't know why they're there and they tell each other their life stories and watch the presidential election of 2016 right (laughs) and and don't really get exactly a happy ending but there's a uh, there's a hopeful ending to it Right. So, that, and I started it quite simply because when I was uh, working on Comic Con, um, it was during the 2016 election, and I was getting annoyed by people dissing Hillary Clinton for things that I thought were just completely unfair and a double standard. I'm not talking about the politics, I'm talking about the laugh or the. Mm-hmm. the or for all these things or, or the clothes and I was just kind of like everybody she's not your prom date what are you what are you trying to you know it was just really annoying me so and I also felt like nothing she she was criticized for pretty much everything in any direction so I was I wrote a song called perfect which was the first song I wrote for glass ceilings and it's the 11 o'clock number of that show and it's um so that kind of got me thinking. And then there was a lot of stuff in the ether 
during that time about women's issues. And one article came out that was called um, something like 10 women who did it better, but you've only heard about their uh, male counterparts or something like that. And um, one, of the, one of the people in that article was this Sumerian goddess who had created the world, you know, the whole world in one day. And I was like, oh, that's a good song. So that kind of started my thinking of like a song cycle for Glass Ceilings. And then my my book writer, Nick, from Comic-Con, he and I were discussing it. And so he kind of came up with the idea of this feminist afterlife. And, and that's where we started going from there and made a plot. Wasn't there a play on words like purgatory or something like that, like H E R or? Yeah, purgatory yeah, was a was a. That's where they all are. Is a place called purgatory. It's the yeah. second song. Now, if I'm if I'm gonna be honest, when I first read about your plot and I saw that, I I almost wondered if you considered purgatory as the title rather than glass ceilings. It's like did that did you guys debate that or? Um, I mean, what, what led you, what led you to choose glass ceilings? I mean, I think it's a great title, but, but purgatory really stood out to me. And I was just curious if, if that came, if that came up as an option. Not really. Um, because purgatory is not really the whole point of the show so much. It's that each of the women, um, either broke a glass ceiling or were stopped by a glass ceiling or the the through line is the glass ceilings that Got they it. face yeah okay so, so i know that that show's been seen a few times how where yeah. where did you have that staged we were three shows into a 10 show run when the world shut down right and that was a huge heartbreak because we had spent you know months planning this fundraising it rehearsing it so much we had an equity cast it was we were spending a lot of money and um we only got three shows before before it was shut down and it was doing really it was it was going very promisingly we luckily we had press the first weekend but um but if i learned anything it's take a really good video on opening night because you never know if there's going to be another night you know right did you get that video you know what david my husband is also named david yes he um he took one that was just like hey honey will you take a video just i want to take a look during the week see if there's anything i want to tweak so we have this video of david you can hear him laughing in it you can hear him kind of uh he walks around because it's in the round the place we did it was in the round and so he's kind of sometimes he's blocked from the person so it's a very it's a video that's not going to do much good for me but it might help a little bit i don't know right but you said you did get some press there from opening night so yeah yeah the opening weekend we had we had press and we had um yeah we had some good good feedback you know okay we we were calling it a we were still calling it a developmental Thing or a workshop, even though it was a full run, because uh, we haven't premiered the show yet. Right. So, well, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, who knows when the, the world will even resemble normal again, but, you know, it, it sounds like it, there's still going to be a place for it. It's like, so, so socially speaking, uh, 
you know, I, I think when you've got a good story, there's always a place for it, and, and you can always pull up press and just say this was what was going on. And so I'm hoping yes. that it gets its feet up again when when it has a chance to. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I hope that for everybody who was. I mean, I'm certainly not the other one, the only one who uh, has this story. You know. Right. There's worse things going on. So. Do you have any other creative projects going on other than? Uh, the musicals at the moment? Other than musicals, I have recently taken up very amateur oil painting as a hobby oh. during this COVID time. But um, I'm working on another show with um, a book writer, lyricist, and then I'm doing composing and lyrics also okay. on this, uh, on a show about the Dolly sisters. They're kind of a, these women from the jazz age, they were these, uh, twin women. They were ladies. They were twins during the jazz age on Broadway. And they were kind of like, you know, very going through the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll thing. But back during the jazz age, it's, they're really interesting. And I'm writing it with a, a fellow named Tegan Summer. And, uh, that's what I'm kind of working on. And then I have another project that I'm, uh, trying to start up as well. So. Okay. Uh, so, so how many, like, is that three musicals or do you have more than that going on? So you've got Comic-Con, you've got the, uh, glass ceilings, you've got the, the project that you're writing about the Dolly sisters. Um, mm -hmm. so is that a rotation of three or do you have any more that are going in there? Uh, you know, glass ceilings doesn't really have anything to do right now, except wait Comic-Con. I'm sure I'll start rewrites on that at some point, but we're actually doing a major page one rewrite on that so we need to find kind of a new angle and that's just been something that nick and i are playing around with and then the dolly sisters and then i do have another project but it's it's in its infancy so it's not much to say about it right uh where can people follow you or follow your projects if they want to find out more information about uh any any of the shows that you're doing uh, my website is laurawatkinscomposer.com. Okay. And you could be one of my, like, 94 followers on Insta. Okay. <laughs> which I don't do very much with, but that's Laura C underscore Watkins, I think. And then, you know, at Glass Ceilings Musical on Insta. My the the shows that I've actually done both have websites, Glass Ceilings Musical and Comic Con Musical. Well, well, that sounds great, and and I hope you know I hope both of them will will be seen. Is now is Comic Comic Con so Glass Ceilings? It sounds like that's a that's definitely a drama. Is is Comic Con the way it sounds a bit of a, a bit of a comedy as well? Or yeah, it it's it's much lighter. It's got aliens and 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 yeah, it's a it's a romp yeah do you find it kind of helpful to to have two con two contrasting projects like that so you, you can kind of put your heart into one and then laugh a little bit with the other so actually no oh, really? i i couldn't work on the two of them together i i actually had to totally put comic-con down because i i got very into the musical language of glass ceilings which was bluesy and rock and dramatic and comic-con wasn't at all like that so I don't know if you get one kind of musical language running through your head. It's it kind of colors everything else, at least for me, a little bit. Right. But, yeah. Especially if you're trying to keep the languages separate. Yeah, that is a challenge. Okay. 
but yeah, writing a drama was easier. I'll tell you that. Com- when they say comedy's hard, comedy is hard. It is, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you uh, for taking time to interview, and I hope that uh, all will be well again with your shows soon, as uh, you can get back to developing them. Thank you very much. I hope so too. And best of luck to you. And this, this, uh, best of luck on this podcast, which is awesome. Oh, thank you. And that just about wraps up this episode. Once again, uh, just as a reminder, if you wish to follow the podcast on Instagram or Twitter, you can do that at life in the pit pod. And also you can follow me personally on Facebook and Twitter at David M. Lane Music or on Instagram at David Lane Music. Again, we're back to releasing episodes every Friday, so next Friday will be episode 15, and that will be my conversation with Dr. Ronald Ford, or as I call him, Ron. He's been my friend and colleague as a musician actually way before I started doing anything for theater. I've known him for a very long time. He has quite an amazing story of some things he's had had to overcome the past few years. He's going to talk about all of the instruments he's played for shows and outside of shows and including a special project that shows off all of the instruments that he plays. Um, he's, he's a musician who's very hard to categorize, and I just look forward to sharing my conversation with Ronald Ford, and that will be next week, episode 15 comes out on Friday, August the 28th. As always, a special thanks to Mark Parolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. All original music is composed and performed by David Lane. For the time being, you can find out more about this podcast at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast or at the Podbean page, lifeinthepit.podbean.com. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and share with your friends. Thank you for listening.